Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. It's a great delight to, um, to have uh, Gary and Casey and gang here tonight, really is. It, um, so glad it's, um, we've been able to, uh, to make this happen. We started a bromance about 18 months ago. And uh, we'll see where all that goes. So... Uh, All right. <laughs> we have got a clean side, haven't we? There we go. <laughs> got pens. <laughs> pens, I'll put them here. All right, so just uh, give Gary a big welcome and uh, let's see where we go. Right, but there you go. <laughs> Bless you. Good good evening, everyone. How are you? I I can't tell you what a joy it is to be visiting tonight, and uh, and it is true that uh, when I walked into the conference that Anth was speaking in in Goa, and uh, Chris was on the front row, and Anth was already speaking, and we arrived into the meeting a few minutes after it started, and he was already preaching. And we were into the sermon by about, I don't know, 10 minutes and I was, I leaned over to Casey and she was leaning over to me and we're like, oh, it's so nice to be just hearing someone uh, beat the drum of our heart uh, in such a way that it just felt like home sweet home. And uh, so we can't, I, I remember getting up and, and just saying, oh, I love you. I, I love this guy. <laughs> I really do. And so we were blessed and, and, and you released them and they came over and shared at our conference last year and that was a great joy. In fact, I reckon my favourite sermon of our church conference last year, well pretty much my whole favourite sermon I heard last year was one that Anth shared on the final conference session we had. And uh, you, you did, I don't know if you realise how blessed you are to have this guy and, and his teaching ministry and this woman and her heart and teaching ministry as well. Uh, we're hoping we can get Chris to come back next time when they come over because uh, last time we didn't have much of a chance for her to share, but I'd love you to share with our church family. She's pretty amazing, right? She's great. It's just a joy. Um, uh, I've got my wife with me. Why don't you stand up, darling? It's so nice. I've... I have, uh, I've been really blessed to have travelled. Do I have to be up here because of the camera? Can I come down a step or two? Is, is, that, is that okay? Or will it mess you up if I come down a, a step or two? You can follow me? That's all right. That's fine. How far can I come down without it messing you up? Can I keep coming down? I just can see you a bit better down here. That's all right. <laughs> I've had the blessing of traveling all over the world and sharing and uh, very rarely do I have the opportunity of taking my wife with me and oh man it's so nice to travel when she's with me and it's made this trip so much fun. We've just come from Africa 
and we were in Paris because that was the best way to get to Africa. And that's not a bad deal, is it? <laughs> I've been in Paris on my own and it's sort of just a bit boring. I've been there with men traveling with me and that's not my thing. And uh, so it's so nice to have my wife with me. Uh, and uh, it's just a joy. It's a joy for us to be visiting your church. Anyway, I, I feel as though I'm kind of messing up the video for you. Can I just compliment you guys on your music tonight? My goodness. Wow. Uh, honestly, we are very blessed in our church family with amazing musicians and vocalists, but I kind of want to wrap up all your vocalists and, and take them back to Australia. They are just through the roof. And what is it with your own basic, you know, Chris Martin over here? Is, is, <laughs> my goodness. Does anyone else think he looks like the lead singer of Coldplay or am I just... And man, can he sing, goodness me. Oh, it's just a joy. And uh, we have a couple of other people with us, as, uh, as Anth introduced before. Uh, Cheryl's on our board back in our church. Uh, and Sophie is a delight. She serves in a lot of different ways in the church and has traveled with us on a few trips now. And she's great fun and uh, easygoing. You know, you know you don't want to go on trips with uh, high-maintenance people. <laughs> I married well in that regard. I tell you, it's so nice when you marry someone who's not a high-maintenance person. And uh, so Casey's just a joy to travel with, but these girls are a joy to travel with too. You want the low-maintenance people when you're on trip. I call those other people drainos. They suck the life out of you. It just feels like your life is draining out. (laughs) Anyway, well, I'm just going to share with you tonight, if that's okay, a few thoughts on my heart. And um, I just wanted to really honour your pastors and leaders here. I don't know what title they go by. Bishop. um, uh, (laughs) Well, you know, if... If there is an agenda against the gospel, and I really believe there is, I think there is, always, there is always something trying to cut down the gospel in every generation. And if that agenda had a strategy, I think the strategies are still the same. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. I really encourage you to, to encourage your leaders. Um, if, if, if I was out to take down the gospel and the advancement of the, the kingdom of heaven, in any place, I would go after the people leading the charge. It's what I would do. And they need your love and support and, and encouragement. And, uh, and I don't know if you're quite aware of how blessed you are. Sometimes when you're in an environment, you don't really get it. But uh, Anthony and Chris, and I'm sure the team that surrounds them in leadership, are just amazing. I, I, I just could not honor them enough. And I encourage you as a church family to honor them and uh, get behind them and support them in everything. Make their job a joy, uh, because that will be good for you and, uh, and good for this region. York's a nice place. I've, I've enjoyed visiting York the day and a half we've had here, and uh, I'd like to have a bit more time to check it all out, but we fly out on Monday, uh, so on Tuesday morning we have to head back via Paris, so... Um, We'll be home, 20-something hours in the plane. Who's been to Australia? Anybody? A few people. Oh, you have. You've been down to where you sent all, where you sent all the criminals, right? <laughs> 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 well, 
Well, down there, we, we're born and bred, Casey and I, and we love the church and just have always loved the local church. And uh, we know the church is not a building, it's a group of people, but we've always just been passionate about the church. I remember the first night I met Casey, we uh, grew up with a similar love for the local church and uh, we just sat around uh, the first night I ever met her singing all the old church songs with a guitar, uh, really old, old songs that we learned growing up, some that we'd rather forget and uh, she knew them all and I, I just loved her. I fell in love with her and her passion for the local church and so we've served just like you know you guys do around here as long as I can remember. I, I was thinking about just sort of sharing a bit about our journey tonight with you by way of introduction. Um, I remember once doing a youth outreach in a hall that we used to, to use for church and, and setting up till all hours doing this kind of thing. The band, I, I heard them rehearsing before over in the, uh, the building next door and it sounded lovely and, and got in here and enjoyed it more. And, but we'd been setting up for a youth outreach and we'd, we'd set up all the lights and all the production equipment and give me a wave if you've ever been part of that kind of thing. And it was 2 a.m., in this building, and we were right, we're right on the corner of the Gold Coast Highway, which is the main drag through town. The church was there, and it was a uh, renovated squash court, so there was no windows, visible windows in the building, just a front glass door. And uh, it was 2 a.m., and I said to the team that had helped set up, we, we, we're all ready to go, but before we go home, we've got this room to ourselves now. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and I've always wondered just how much smoke from the smoke machine... You can get into a room. So let's just turn it on and let's see how thick of a smoke sort of cloud we can create in the room. So we just pumped it and pumped it and pumped it. And we're all just tired from all of the hard work until you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And, uh, and then I had a brilliant idea that we would get the lights, the strobing lights, and just flash them in the midst of all the thick smoke where you couldn't literally see your hand here and then we'd play, I don't know what you call it, but we call it chases, like, you know, tips. Or what, what do you call that here? Tag. We, we said, well, let's play tag in the smoke with all the strobe lights on. So we had the yellow lights and the red lights and the white lights and they're all flashing and it's like this crazy smoke-filled space and we're running around at 2 a.m. in the morning letting off steam after a big day setting up and and um, and <laughs> it was so funny people are crashing over chairs and we're playing tag so people are screaming I was screaming like a little girl <laughs> but what we didn't know that was happening was on the Gold Coast Highway outside of our building the smoke had gotten up into the ceiling cavity and was billowing down the outsides of the building on every side. It was that thick. It was billowing down. And through the one glass door at the front of the building, you could see the very thick smoke and flashes of yellow <laughs> and flashes of red. And from inside the building, you could hear, ah! <laughs> ah! And so no word of a lie. <laughs> this is exactly what happened. People are pulling up at the traffic lights out in front of our church building and they're on their cell phones going, for the love of God, get down to Monaco Street. The church is on fire and there are people in there burning alive. So they, they actually, there, are, there is a, there's about five 
major fire brigades around that area, they called out fire engines from 30 kilometers away to answer the call. And while we're running around inside the building, I heard that this is something as a pastor you'll know. It's sort of that knowing voice. It's like when my son pats me on the shoulder, he has this thing, he rubs me on the shoulder and he goes, Daddy, he's 18, Daddy, and I know exactly what that voice means. It means he wants something, right? So it's this loving Daddy. Well, there's there's one that happens for pastors too, and it was like, Pastor Gary, and that tone let me know, you need to come out the front. (laughs) I just knew in that tone something wasn't right, and they had seen through the window through the smoke they saw there wasn't just flashing lights on the inside there was now lots of flashing lights on the outside and this is exactly what happened I I walked through the two glass doors of the front of the church and I walked out in a cloud of smoke confronted by a dozen fire brigade running up the front steps of the church with axes in hand and breathing masks on. And I just went, it's all right. We were playing tag. And apparently we have a fire brigade person in our church and this story is told all through the fire brigade, all across the Gold Coast of the night they called out the fire brigade to answer the call. I I really wish, there's a part of me that wishes I came through the door, poof, with a child in my arms, you know. (laughs) But just... The the stories you accumulate over the years in church life and doing church and all of the fun stuff, i got to tell you, never lose your sense of humor, you know, and never let the little kid on the inside die because life throws a lot of stuff at you, but just just keep enjoying the ride. I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about being you, and my wife had a, a really wonderful moment one day when she was just sort of praying and meditating. There's that old saying, a lot of preachers say it, that there's a God-shaped hole inside of you. And, you know, you're kind of restless until he inhabits that space. But she was praying and she felt God say to her, the Holy Spirit just laid on her heart, that there's a U-shaped hole in the world. I actually believe there's a U-shaped hole inside of God. Um, which is an interesting contemplation that not only is there a God-shaped hole in you, but there's a U-shaped hole inside of God. That's why he made you. That's why you've been designed and created for his pleasure, just to, to know him. Uh, and also, the Bible teaches us in Ephesians, I love it, that we are his workmanship, created in Christ unto good works, not... We're not made just so that we could do good works and then somehow be good enough for God, but certainly we've been designed and created and all different. And I love that that message that was shared earlier that every single one of us had something. What's your name, darling? Beth, that was beautiful stuff you were sharing there and about the old lady at the... But we all, we all are different, and thank God for that. How boring would it be if we were all homogenized and exactly the same? But, you know, there is, there is there's a U-shaped hole in the heart of God. He really he just wants relationship with you. But there's also a U-shaped hole in the world, and, and that is a beautiful thought that, that Casey felt 
you know, own spirit. And she's shared on this, but I just thought I would share on it for a little while tonight. And I asked for a whiteboard, because sometimes I use a whiteboard. And I can't spell to save myself, so I'm going to probably make some mistakes with all of this. But um, I really want you to, to walk away with a few things tonight from our opportunity together uh, to, for me to just share with you. But, you know, these are the three things. Be, be you, not someone else. Be present. Can you read my writing? Not somewhere else. And you've got to learn to be loved, not something else. Because I, I, I like this, some other preacher said this, it's not my own stuff, he came up with the idea, but if we actually believe that we are his workmanship, then God made you because he wanted a you, and the world needed a you, that you actually are the answer to a question that he knew would be asked in your generation, and that you actually are the solution to problems he knew would exist in your generation. And you are designed for relationships and somebody, the somebodies of your world. You were designed to fit with other people who he knew would be in your generation. And I, I love the thought that we've been made on purpose for purpose. Not that the purpose, has, what we do has to define us because it's about the fact that we're loved uh, that uh, you know, we, we minister out of that place of security. But I'd really love you to remember these three things from our message tonight. Just be you, not someone else. I don't know why it is we're so desperately invested in trying to be the next person. It's because oftentimes we think, well, look at them. They're doing good stuff. I like what they are. I uh, like what they're doing. And so we copy we find ourselves copying so many people and being oftentimes a pale imitation of someone else rather than the you that we were designed to be. And I really do encourage you, don't be one of those people who spends your life trying to just fit into somebody else's shoes. Um, a lot of times we are someone we're not because we just grew up in a family and got shoved into a space. It was the family business and we just... Followed down that pathway when it really wasn't us. It was just what we got shoved into, square peg in a round hole. And we never really discovered who we were. And sometimes we're so busy just getting on with the life that was handed to us, we never took time to find out who we actually are and what we actually love. And, and, uh, and that's why I love the relationship I have with Anth because... Um, I'm not friends with people because of what they do. I'm friends with people because of who they are. And uh, I just, I love what Anth does, but it flows out of that space of who he is in, in the security of who he is to just, you know, walk in his convictions and, and sometimes teach some things that might not be popular to the establishment. And the establishment can just shove us into a space sometimes. You know, there's, a, there's this great thing that people don't like to do, and that's called thinking. 
Most people would rather die than think, and people like Anth will make you think. How dare he? How dare he? We just like to get on with what we've been told and not even question. But uh, that's a great gift to you. And it can be probably a bit painful coming to church sometimes with Anth preaching to you because he might fry the circuit board of your brain and make you think outside the box. But it'll allow you to actually make some conclusions about who you are and what you believe rather than just walking down a pathway that you've been shoved into. And the other thing I I want to encourage you to be is present, not somewhere else. Um, We live in a world now where distraction is hardwired into the human experience you actually um, you're doing pretty well in fact in my church uh, back home on the Gold Coast or the churches that we pastor I don't usually have everyone looking at me like this most of the time they're looking at their iPhone under the guise of taking notes but I know they're not taking notes because in this day and age when they're taking notes they take a photograph of the screen (laughs) that's how they take notes they don't write anything down anymore they're checking Facebook they're updating their Instagram you know they're seeing how many times because we have a dialed in distraction in this generation and it actually interferes with delivering you to your generation sometimes Uh, and we have a thing in our house called uh, digital free dinner where the phones have to be piled face side down on the table In the middle of the table, we pile them all up so that we can enjoy being with each other in an uninterrupted space. Remember those days (laughs) before we were perpetually dialed into distraction? I mean, I often think of Mary and Martha, you know. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're so distracted with a whole bunch of stuff. You, You know Jesus can be right there and you not be with him. Because of distraction. My wife will often say to me, be with me. I will physically be with her, but I won't be with her at that moment because I will be distracted. A typical man thing, I guess. Because they have a lot of things racing around in the head and I'm off there. And it's, it's powerful when you're present. If you want to be if the you you were meant to be on planet Earth, being present in the moment is really important stuff. Would you agree with that? This last one's the one I want to labor on tonight, just a few moments, because I, I know that you guys get taught this stuff, but I, um, I was meditating on this, um, and uh, there's a thing called the uh, Johari window. Have you guys heard about this? A couple of uh, psychologists in 1955 came up with this, um, and it was a guy called Joseph... Um, I can't remember his last name, and a guy called Harrison. I don't know how to spell Harrison, but anyway. And they came up with this thing. It's a combination of their name, the Johari window. And in the Johari window is this space where you live. We are all this, what I'm about to show you. There's, there's the known you there is the hidden you there is the uh, unknown you 
And there is, what's the other one called? It's the blind you, yes, that's good. This is you. And there's a U-shaped hole in the world, but we're all on a journey. This is, the known you is the stuff that you know about you and others know about you. You know and everybody else knows. Ant wears glasses. I know that. Ant knows that. There's the hidden you. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about that. It was like Ant wears dresses when no one's looking. But no, <laughs> that's the part that... <laughs> it's, the, it's not true. I, I don't know that about Anthem. You can make this stuff up, but who knows? I'm busted. <laughs> it's the stuff that you know about you, but others don't know about you. And don't tell me you haven't got that stuff. Everybody in this room, this is a part of who you are. And I'm telling you, there is... Every week in my office, I have, I have people come to me and say these sentences. I've never told anyone about this until now. And they usually say it through a trembling voice. And the blind you, and this is the good part, I love this. This is that other people know, but you don't know. <laughs> Isn't it funny that we all have this and yet we don't think we've got this? And it's true. They're called blind spots in our life. And then, then the unknown you, and this is the terrifying part, is that you don't know and others don't know. And that's you. That's you. you you've, we've all got that. And the interesting thing is that our known self expands over the, our lifetime and it grows it grows through two things here we'd put the word feedback <laughs> oftentimes our spouse shows us about our blind spots <laughs> and this part here grows through disclosure i can't really fit it in there we actually start to bring these things out. But the interesting part that real sort of development happens is right here because these things collide disclosure and feedback and we actually learn some things about ourselves that neither we knew or nobody else knew. This is the Johari window. Joseph and Harrison came up with this. And I also like, there's another, um, there's another quadrant that is really a big part of life. Um, and... It's the phases of development in any area. Like if there's a U-shaped hole in the world, if you were the answer to a question that would be asked in your generation and the solution to a problem that would exist in your generation and a relational connection and like a godsend to some people in your generation, if that's who you are designed on purpose for purpose, you will obviously grow in the delivery of you to the world. As you go, like tonight, I, I came in, I was just blown away by this vocal lineup that you have here in this church. It is world class, right? I don't know if you know that, but their singing is through the roof. But they had to develop in that. And, 
And I appreciate music, so I know the developmental process. But the developmental process, you go through this, this process here. Um, box one is where you don't know what you don't know. They call this unconscious incompetence. Do you know about this stuff? Unconscious in, incompetence. In Competence. See, I, I, I can't spell incompetence, which I find hilarious. <laughs> Unconscious incompetence. But I know I can't spell incompetence, so I'm not in box one. I'm in box two. Box two is conscious <laughs> incompetence. <laughs> I don't even know why I bother writing because you can't read what this is saying. You don't know what you don't know. That's where everybody starts. This is kind of like those early years of being a teenager where you think you know everything, but you've done nothing. You know what I'm saying? You've, you really haven't done a lot of life, but you're an expert on everything. Because you, so, you don't know what you don't know. And this is lovely. It's the, blissful, oh, it's the blissful state of knowing everything and having done nothing. It's wonderful. It's a great indulgent period of life. I, box one is actually nice. Being unaware is nice. But then you learn you don't know a few things, and that actually is a bit of a wake-up call. And then you go to box three, which is where you have conscious, uh, conscious competence. And I love watching people, competence. See, look, at that's me. When it comes to spelling competence, I love watching people in box three is they know they can't spell it, but they are learning how to spell it. And in order to spell it, you have to focus. I watch people who who are on an instrument and they're in box three. They can't really enjoy the experience of playing the instrument because they're trying to concentrate on where their fingers go next. You can see that look of concentration, conscious competence. But they can get there, they can get that chord structure, but usually their tongue is out the side of their mouth. <laughs> it's a conscious state of competence, right? And then there's this wonderful place we arrive at as we grow in our stuff in life you know whether it's your job if you're a bricklayer or a plumber or you know you're an IT specialist you know you've got that painful journey through one two three it's still a bit painful you can do it but you really have to focus and then you get to this place of unconscious competence you don't even think and I remember my son he's a guitarist so we'll talk in that particular field, we talk about music. You know, he's, he's an amazing guitarist. He's just got a grace for it. And I remember showing him an Eddie Van Halen clip from when Eddie Van Halen was young. And he's so cool. He's got his, he's got his cigarette in the end of his uh, guitar there. And he's doing this shredding guitar solo. And in the middle of it, you know, it's booming through the auditorium. He pulls the cigarette off, puts it back at the end and blows a few smoke rings and keeps playing this thing and he's not even thinking he's just unconsciously competent and I said I said to him if you really want to be a guitarist you got to go through this journey and you will eventually get there 
where you are unconsciously competent at what you do. James down the front last night, he sat down next to me while we were having uh, Guy Fawkes crack a night round at Ant's place. And let me tell you, this man is unconsciously competent as a fireworks guy. He could run a very successful co- company here just delivering fireworks. I was very impressed. Lord of the flame, I like to call him. Um, but James sat down next to me and he said, how long have you been uh, preaching and a pastor? And I went, well, I'm 45 now. I turned 45 last week. And um, I started as my dad's youth pastor when I was 15. So I've been leading in church life and pastoring now for 30 years. Goodness me, how old are you, James? You 18. Wow, I'm old. Wow, I'm old. Goodness me. So, you know, I don't really think a lot about preaching anymore and speaking to crowds. Obviously, you build a rapport when you don't know people and you kind of get over that, that, that momentary kind of sense of who's this guy and, you know, why has he got a big flamboyant cardi on? And... Uh, I'm not sure if I like him and all of that stuff. <laughs> but, you know, I've done a lot of preaching. I've constructed a lot of sermons. I've tanked a lot of times, uh, you know, in sharing the good news. And, and so after a while, you don't even really think anymore. You just get on with it and do the job. And, and that's, you've developed a skill set. You don't even think about laying bricks anymore. You don't even... Think about how to solve that IT problem or whatever the field that you work in is. You develop this and it's a part of the stuff that you deliver to planet Earth. But I watch both of these things happening. This development of skill and people learning and facing up to the stuff in them that nobody knows about. And they kind of would like to have some help in this hidden self because they're struggling with it. And they bring a bit of disclosure to the table and that's always terrifying. I don't know how many girls I've sat with who have felt safe enough to say, I've never told anyone, but I was sexually abused. I don't know how many young men I've had say, I've never told anyone, oh, the stories of people's lives that have been released from a burden of just pain on the inside, just to share the stuff that's been locked away from the rest of the world. You know, I'm hopelessly addicted to pornography, and I don't want to be. You know, I, I don't want to be addicted to pornography. It's, it's no longer just a matter. And I, we're not now talking about right and wrong. We're just talking about a person. Just a person. And a lot of the stuff we call addiction is just people dealing with pain management. That's all it is. It's just a lot of pain that they're trying. They're reaching out for something to make them feel better. And in the moment, you know, they've developed a, a thing. It's just them. Don't make out you haven't got one. Give me a wave if you drink coffee. You're an addict, just like me. Don't cast any stones. <laughs> and again, when we talk about you, you know, as I always say, I mean, <laughs> you're either going to think of sin as a crime to be punished or a disease to be cured, as I always say, because I stole it from Anth. 
who stole it from his wife. Which this sermon really is based on a thought I stole from my wife. (laughs) But you know, the whole journey of you kind of... And you've got to be careful with this stuff because the world doesn't understand grace. And we learn early that if we broaden this, uh, this, this world this way to some people, they will just use it as fodder for judgment. So we go, oh, never share the hidden self. And we lock it away. And then sometimes, you know, the feedback is not really a response to us trying to deal with our you know, our blind spots, it's just a case of a reaction, of fearful reaction where we really just don't want to be judged this way. And so we're not really expanding the known self to deliver it to the world in which we live for noble motives. We're actually just trying to avoid judgment. But the beautiful thing is that perfect love casts out all fear. And when somebody's living fearlessly, oh, it's a beautiful thing to behold. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And Ephesians says you are his handiwork. His job was to get you back into the right space. And so his handiwork is you. And so he has wrapped you up in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right around all of this stuff, all of your unconscious incompetence, (laughs) all of the stuff that you know about you that nobody else knows about you, all of the stuff you don't know about you that other people can see about you, and all of the stuff that only he knows about you and you don't even know about you. You know he's bottled, well I mean bottled is probably the wrong word, but he knows how many tears you've cried. He knows the amount of hairs on your head. Give me a wave if you know how many hairs are on your head. Probably the only people who can raise their hand, the cameraman up the back who has no hairs on his head. It's the same all over the world. The only people who know the answer to that question are like people who don't want to be pointed out for it. This is not a moment of pride. But God knows more about you than you know about you, but he already drew a line around all this stuff and it's called his righteousness. Not your righteousness, not your works. And the thing that'll make you the most ugly you that you could ever be is self-righteousness. Where you think that the you that you're delivering to the world is better than other people because you are good in your behavior and can tick all your religious boxes and can outperform the other person so that that you you're delivering to planet Earth is superior by your own efforts. That's the most ugly version you could deliver. But that place where you really just know you're wrapped up in Jesus, right around all this stuff, is the place where you can live, you can be loved, not something else I've preached all over the world this this simple analogy that who knows the story of uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame Notre Dame however you pronounce it we were at Notre Dame just a couple of days ago I was looking for the hunchback but I see a lot of Christians there the you that they're and everybody's on this journey in a million different ways of discovery about the stuff they don't know about themselves, growing in their skill sets and all of the things that they deliver to planet Earth. 
But a lot of people's Christianity is wrapped up in self-righteousness where if they, they have this hideous blend of if they do good according to their religious checklist, they feel morally superior because it's self-righteousness. And then if they, they, you know, if they fall down in some way, shape or form, they feel hideously condemned. And so all at once they are proud, religiously proud, and all at once they are religiously condemned. And they live their life, this, this untenable mix of religious pride and religious condemnation. Religious pride, I'm doing well, I prayed long enough, I read enough scripture, I feel like a good Christian. But then I, you know, I didn't do X, Y, Z and bang, I'm down. And I'm up and then I'm down. And it's a monstrous Christianity. It's a terrifying, all the, if we really were honest, we'd keep our children away from that kind of monster that's up and down and up and down and the bells and the bells. and ah! A lot of people have that kind of thing going on, but Jesus came to set you free from all of that stuff and draw a line around absolutely everything about you and say, now you are righteous because I made you righteous. And it doesn't matter where you're at on this whole journey. You can be the arrogant teenage kid who knows everything and has done nothing. <laughs> I love it. You can, be the, you can be the teenage kid who's nursing some very dark secrets that nobody knows about. You can be the 80-year-old lady who's nursing some secrets. You know, I've never told anyone. And, you know, you might tell someone and expand the known you in some forum. But whether you do or whether you don't, you are loved completely. And it was finished on the cross. You've been perfected forever even though you're still in the process of developing and growing. He's wrapped that around you. And I, I love that this is where you can really be free to be you, no matter where you are on the spectrum. You can just be you. You just know that you're okay. I, I used to love a show called Boston Legal. Has anyone seen that show? Did they air that here? Denny Crane. And Denny Crane used to have this, such an attitude that the solution to every problem was Denny Crane. Like people asked him a question, Denny Crane. It's like, I am the answer. It's in me. And I remember one show, he's sitting on his balcony having a chat with Alan Shaw in the show and they're doing their whole smoking cigars, pontificating about what they know about life and what they don't. And Denny Crane looks across at him and he goes, it's fun being me. Is it fun being you? I would ask you that question. Because honestly, I've got to be honest with you, apart from the challenges that you face helping other people, I can honestly say for me, it's fun being me. It's fun being me because I kind of settled all the arguments of where I am at on any of this scale. I don't care. There's a whole bunch of stuff about me you don't know. Ooh. Oh, I wonder what it is. Ha. I'm not telling you. 
And, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that I know people can see about me. And I'm, as I'm aging, I'm starting to become aware because they keep giving me feedback. <laughs> and I'm absolutely certain because as I grow, this box is getting larger too. There's some stuff that I don't know about me and other people haven't worked out yet. And I'm starting, God's teaching me a little bit about this area and that actually sets me free a little bit too. But it doesn't matter because it's all dealt with in Jesus and it's just fun being me on that journey wherever I'm at. What about you? Because if not, then probably, and this is what Anth was referring to earlier on tonight, you probably haven't come to that moment where what God thinks about you, you think about you. There's a moment where you get to where we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But it's the in Christ Jesus part and his work that releases you to just enjoy the ride and be you without worrying about everybody adding up where you're at on any of those scales. It's liberating. And you don't have to perform for anyone anymore because even if they do judge you at where you're at on that journey, you know the one that really counts doesn't because he already judged Jesus completely guilty in your place once and for all time. And you can just live and love being you. And you can stop pretending to be someone else. Stop trying to measure up to somebody else's standard. You can be present and not somewhere else because you're so anxious about all the things you have to do. And you can stop being the human doing and start be the human being, which is a cheesy old saying, but it actually kind of makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Stop performing for people. I mean, that's what Ant said when we started tonight. We're not actually here to impress you. <laughs> and I can go and sleep tonight quite soundly if you all don't like me. Because it's fun being me. Is it fun being you? Perhaps if it's not, I like it, Danny. I'm glad it is fun being Danny. It's fun being Gary. <laughs> The key is this. The righteous are as bold as a lion, the Bible says. When you know you've got that gifted righteousness, it just sort of sets you free. Is that okay? I'd like to pray for you. And uh, will you stand with me? I don't know how long I was allocated or how long I took. But just share some stuff with you and that's all good. And I say, in a few minutes, we fire up the smoke machine. And we see how much smoke we can get into this room. <laughs> oh, man. I'll talk about some of your mistakes. <laughs> Just enjoy it and laugh at yourself. Just quietly close your eyes for a moment and just... <laughs> Just stand there and understand that you're all wrapped up in Jesus. The work he did for you on the cross. and Salvation work is complete. It's that whole sentiment of this house, it's done. It's done. 
Sure, you're, you're learning, you're growing, you're developing. There's stuff. But it's all happening in Christ. You're his workmanship in Christ Jesus. And your living can flow from that space. Father, I just ask tonight, this beautiful opportunity I've had to be here in York and share and share our heart from our church family and it's so similar to the heart of this place. No matter where we're all at, I thank you that we're all in. <laughs> in Christ. That we can stop trying to be somebody else. We can stop being somewhere else. We can just be loved. I just pray that you would end that war on the inside for so many people striving to be good enough or work for that place of love. Just help every heart to just receive and be settled. They can be themselves in their generation. This life will be over soon enough. What a shame if we were absent or faking it and trying to be someone else and working away all the time to be loved when we just don't need to. I pray your rich blessing over everyone here tonight. And I thank you for the honor of being with them. Amen. Thanks, mate. Did you enjoy that? It's good. All right. Um, one thing I, I would say about that is that we we can be very guilty of protecting people from this process because we'd like to protect ourselves from the process, but. The process is the process. So to protect yourself from the process or to try and protect somebody else from the process is actually protecting nothing. It just creates an illusion that somehow this is not happening. I love the fact, and I've told you guys a part of this house this, that there's a reason why Genesis chapter 1 is the way it is. And it's got nothing to do with the science of how the world came into being. But it has everything to do with how life works. And, and how you can come to a seventh day, not seven 24-hour periods, but how you can come to a place where it's all done and you're at peace and you're at rest. That's the objective of Genesis 1. Can you arrive from chaos at a place of absolute rest so that that becomes your new starting place. So the first day of, of Genesis 1 was let there be light. And it's nothing to do with sun, moon and stars. You've got to go to day 4 for that. So it's got nothing to do with natural illumination. But it's got everything to do with a different kind of illumination. And, and I always love this. If, if the earth was dark and chaotic and disordered 
when light came, you saw that the earth was dark and chaotic and disordered. That's what you saw. You saw things as they were. The healthiest thing in the process of life, and it has to be the first step, is to see things as they really are. Because seeing things as they really are is really saying, God in his wisdom in Genesis 1 actually wrote this in and says, start here by seeing things as they really are. And then when you finish, you'll be at this place of completeness and rest. Loved and not something else. So um, for some of you who are kind of very soft and mercy motivated, stop protecting people from this. Okay? If you're a person who thinks anything that has to be faced in life will destroy you, stop protecting yourself from this because it won't. God starts off by saying, if you'll see things as they really are, and you'll let that process go on, because God set in motion that if you start, this process will go on, and it won't be that you'll go from morning to evening, which is how we think when we avoid this. It says you'll go from evening to morning. So you, you keep coming not out of the day, but into a day, okay, all the time. And when you follow this, you keep coming into a new day, Right? This will not destroy you. This will save you. It's a process. So, so even for yourself, just understand that seeing things as they are, beginning to respond by the one who's loved you and surrounded you with his righteousness will take you right through that week. Because as I've said to you, I don't believe that Genesis was ever meant to be a scientific thesis or a historic reference. It was meant to be a revelation of the heart of God for humanity that says, listen, we can put everything back in order. If you'll just start at the right place, then day will follow day and you'll finish up in a place of peace. Like Jesus said, my peace I give you. And when you've got this peace, the world around you can't take it away. Right? Nothing can take that peace away. My peace I give to you. And it's not like anything else can give you. It's a completely different kind of peace that, that is beyond all understanding. So if you want that kind of peace, this, this is where to find it. This is the pursuance of it. And it's all in Christus Victor. It's all in him. So we bless you. Thanks for being here. Hang around, chat to somebody, and uh, we'll see some of you on Wednesday. And uh, other than that, we're always kind of knocking about here. If you've got a question, want to chat, want somebody to pray with you, come and see us. Um, otherwise, have a fantastic evening and uh, and big thanks to Gary and Casey and the guys for taking the time to swing by here on the way home to Australia. So we bless you. Thank you, Gary. And uh, I guess that's it. We're done. All right. Be blessed. Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again.